Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to... We've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. And hello, Las Vegas. Happy Wednesday, one and all. I am Crystal Heath. You're listening to The Frittle Show on KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio here in Las Vegas from Liberty Baptist Church on Rainbow and Lake Mead. Join us for church tonight, 7 p.m. if you are here in the city, or you can stream us online at experienceliberty.com or via our Facebook page at Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas. Okay. Ready? Let's go. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. This is Genesis chapter 2, and I'll explain to you in a minute, or you might figure out why I'm reading it to you. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens and every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. The name of the first is Pison. That is it which compassed is the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. There is Bedlam and the Ankhstone, and the name of the second river is Gihon. The same is it that compasses the whole land of Ethiopia. And the name of the third river is Hidekel. This is that which goes eastward toward Assyria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good for man that he should be alone. I will make him a help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found and held meat for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man uh, made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Did you figure it out yet? Did you figure out yet why I read to you Genesis chapter 2? It's because today is International Women's Day. 
And today, people all across our country and all around the world are going to be talking about women and women's rights and the history of women. So I thought, let's hearken way back to the very first woman and to the moment that God created her and how special that was. Although I always find it ironic that Adam has just named all the animals. So many animals. And he's so creative with these names. I mean, giraffe, hippopotamus, I mean, dog, that's, you know, it's not as creative, but um, a platypus. Got all these, all these exotic names. And then, and then God brings Eve and he's like, I am man, she is woman. Like, okay, all right, that, where, where did the creative part of your brain just go right then? Like, I, anyway, anyway. I love the story of the creation of woman because it's unlike anything else that God does in creation. And while Adam was made out of dirt, Eve was made out of Adam. I think that just tells us a lot about men and women right there. Um, And I'm not going to go too far into that because some people won't understand my sarcasm so we will just let that go but it is international women's day and all across our country today women are protesting i don't know what they're protesting exactly but apparently we're back to that thing about how when donald trump got elected women's rights just automatically evaporated um so apparently we're still protesting these rights that we've lost I'm still not sure which ones they are exactly, but that's what we're protesting. And the way that women are protesting in our country today, in celebration of International Women's Day, like this whole thing is just bizarre. We're celebrating International Women's Day by protesting, and women aren't going into work because uh, the Women's March that had been organized in D.C. months ago, I don't know, maybe like a month and a half ago now, today is, quote, a day without a woman. And this is just, it's so ironic to me that we've, we went from, in just over a hundred years, women fighting for the right to enter the workplace. And now we have women choosing not to go to work because it is Women's Day and you will see what a day without a woman is like. Now, what's funny is there are a couple states where women, uh, I think it might be Texas, um... But by law, if they didn't show up for work, they could just fire them. So, like, all women that didn't show up for work, I believe it's in Texas, can just be automatically fired. Like, they don't even have to have a reason other than that they didn't show up. So, uh, a day without a woman was canceled in Texas, essentially. But everywhere else, I mean, we have schools that are literally shut down because these women aren't showing up for work. People are like, oh, look, see, see how tragic it is when women don't come to work. We have at least four schools closed across the country. Now, I'm not trying to downplay the role of women in our society. But can I just mention that if men decided to do this and have a day without men, our entire country would shut down, folks. And you, you may not like that, and I'm sure that's very much not politically correct for me to say, but it, it would. Okay? So I say, yeah, 
let's celebrate women. Let's have International Women's Day. But I think it's really kind of dumb to celebrate International Women's Day by having a day without a woman and just not showing up for work. I mean, if you want to fight for women's rights on International Women's Day, then you should be crusading for the women in countries that practice Sharia law that are being uh, raped and murdered and honor killings and that can't leave their houses without a male relative, that can't drive, that can't get an education, that literally are suffering under patriarchy. If you want to go there, then that's where that issue is happening. It's not happening, at least not on a widespread scale, in Western cultures. It's just not. So if you want a crusade for women's rights, real women's rights, then you need to redirect your focus. It might be more beneficial to the world if instead of on International Women's Day you decide not to show up for work, that you actually do show up for work. And then if, if you just, what you can do is you can take the money that you make on that day that you work on International Women's Day, if you want to, if you really want to make a difference for women, and you can donate it to an organization that's helping oppressed women in these countries or an organization that's helping girls escape um, Uh, sex slavery around the world. That is just a a horrific issue, which I can't get into because this is a family show, but it's happening real life. Kidnapping and enslavement of women, and there are organizations that are going in and rescuing these girls. So if you really want to make a difference for women on International Women's Day, instead of not working, go to work and then donate that money to an organization that's doing good for women around the world. Because just standing outside with your sign protesting something that nobody even knows what you're protesting because we literally have lost zero rights as women in America because Donald Trump was elected president... Do something. If you want to do something, then do something real. Do something that will count. Do something that will make a difference. Find find some little. If you're if you're in an environment that that there's, you tell your daughters that they're beautiful. Daddies, take your little girls out on a date. Like do do something that actually has meaning and purpose. This International Women's Day. Don't just stand outside with a sign. <sighs> All right. There's lots of news, though, today. Um, let's see. Where do I want to go first? Let's go to the American Health Care Act. Let's try and make some sense of this thing. Because uh, I had a bunch of people asking me about... <coughs> I had a bunch of people asking me about this... Um, Yesterday, and why I didn't get into it because we were trying a little bit different things with some show formatting yesterday. So, today is when we are going to discuss it. I just needed to get that little International Women's Day issue out of the way first. Okay, so let's some, make some sense here of the American Health Care Act. Basically, uh, there's some good in this thing and there's some bad. All right, what's good is that the American Health Care Act reforms Medicaid. Uh, it makes it so that a healthy 23 year old doesn't pay the same premiums as, a, say, a 77 year old, and it defunds Planned Parenthood the rest of the way. Which and Donald Trump, brilliant move yesterday. He literally came out and said, "Hey, Planned Parenthood, you want to keep your taxpayer funding? Fine." Just stop performing abortions and we'll let you, you know, have taxpayer funding so you can actually do uh, women's health and family services. But no more abortions. It was like, drop the mic. That was brilliant. But anyway, 
with the American Health Care Act, Act, what's bad is that overall it really doesn't solve the problems that's of the skyrocketing costs that were brought to us by Obamacare. All right. So let's get first. Let's just start with some facts. Okay. Under Obamacare, people are hurting. More people have been hurt by Obamacare than have been helped by it. Because Americans are being forced to buy insurance they don't like, they don't need, or they can't afford. This year alone, premiums on average across the country will increase by 25%. And one-third of all counties in the United States have only one insurer offering plans on their state exchange. There is literally zero competition in one-third of our country. And 34% fewer doctors and other health care providers accept Obamacare insurance as compared to private insurance. So, what the American Health Care Act, as presented, does, and we're going we're gonna to look at the pros and the cons here, so just bear with me. Right now, I'm just going to tell you some of, the, some of the pros and why it's been uh, put forth the way it has. The American Health Care Act dismantles Obamacare taxes... It eliminates the individual and employer mandate penalties. It also prohibits health insurers from denying coverage or charging more money to patients based on pre-existing conditions. It allows young adults access to health insurance and allows dependents to stay on their parents' plan until they are 26. Um, it, uh, it, it reforms Medicaid. I mentioned that already. And it expands and enhances health saving account possibilities, HSAs, allowing for nearly double the amount of money that people can contribute and broadens how individuals can use that money. All right. Um, those are some of those are some of the pros. Some of those I don't agree with. That's from the, the GOP released a statement. It's on HouseGOP.com. Those are what the GOP is saying. These are the pros. Um, okay, so one of the reasons I didn't go much into this yesterday is because I didn't have time to read the bill before the show yesterday, and no one else that I respect really had had time to read the bill for me and educate me on it. Now that's all changed. Now we have everybody talking about the bill, and while I would have preferred to wait uh, for the Heritage Foundation piece on this because they're my favorite think tank when it comes to policy issues, uh, I did find a piece by a guy named Avik Roy of Forbes that I think presents this issue in a very fair way. He said GOP's Obamacare replacement will make coverage unaffordable for millions. Otherwise, it's great. That's not an ironic headline. Um, and I'm not going to read his whole article, but I am going to get into just he he hits on uh, he hits on the highlights of this. So highlights the good Medicaid reform. The strongest part of the American Health Care Act by far is its overhaul of Medicaid, the developed world's worst insurance program. The AHCA, which is the American Health Care Act, takes important steps to strengthen the Medicaid program by converting its funding into a per capita allotment that would give states the flexibility they need to modernize the program. Uh, the bad is the Obamacare exchange replacement. The AHCA's efforts at replacing Obamacare's health insurance exchanges are problematic. 
A key limitation is that Republicans have decided to repeal and replace Obamacare on a party line vote using the Senate's reconciliation process. But reconciliation can only repeal Obamacare's taxes and spending. It can't replace most of the law's premium hiking insurance regulations. So, you know, there's a lot of people saying, oh, well, Republicans just need to get their act together and they all need to be united. And why would they present this bill? And I agree. It's a catastrophe how they went uh, for eight years, eight years, they were able to repeal Obamacare, repeal Obamacare, repeal Obamacare, repeal Obamacare every single session. But in all that time that they could have been crafting a actual a replacement that they could agree on eight years, eight years, they didn't do it. So now we have this thing that's getting done behind closed doors very quickly in an effort to make some fast progress in the first 100 days, which I'm all about progress in 100 days. But if you need to take longer so that when you present this thing, it's actually worthy of the American people, then take a longer than 100 days. But anyway, uh, what this guy is explaining here is that while it's easy to say, oh, well, Republicans just need to do this, the reason that they're not is because of how they're trying to get this through, and that's using uh, the reconciliation process. And if they go that route, then they can't replace the premium hikes uh, issues that we found in Obamacare. So what they need to do is rather than trying to repeal and replace in one fell swoop, and Rand Paul is, is so brilliant on this, I really hope they get Rand Paul more involved in this, But I talked about that yesterday. Anyway, what they need to do is they need to just repeal it outright. They can pass that through the House and the Senate and President Trump will sign it. They just need to get rid of it. Make it gone. And then you work on a replacement bill. But when you're trying to do both at the same time through Senate reconciliation, it's just not going to come out well. All right, also bad in this bill. It contains an arbitrary continuous coverage provision is what they're calling it. So basically what happens then is anyone that signs up for coverage outside of the normal open enrollment period is going to pay a 30% surcharge to the normal insurance premium. The surcharge is basically an arbitrary price control. And another critical mistake of this thing is its insistence on flat non-means tested tax credits. So what happens is the AHCA creates a benefit cliff between those on Medicaid, which will be subsidized about $6,000 per patient per year, and those just above the poverty line who are going to get tax credits of about $3,000. So obviously those are two very different numbers. What does that mean then? It means that people that are sitting just below poverty will be strongly disincentivized to make more money. Did you catch that? Because if you're on Medicaid, you're covered $6,000 per year. If you're just above the poverty line, you get coverage of $3,000 per year because of the way this tax credit is worked in. And we always think tax credits sound good, but in the long run, that's this is actually problematic, the way it's written into this bill. So, anyway... Um, it, it, it keeps going, and there's others I would strongly recommend. Uh, look for Avik Roy, his article on Forbes. It goes in-depth into a lot of what 
would be considered wrong with this bill as well as some of what is good. And there's just there's a lot of information there that I don't have time to get into all of it today here, so I'm not even going to try. But if you want to find out more about this bill and go really, really in-depth on it, uh, then that's where you want to go, is uh, check out Roy's article on in Forbes. So now, meanwhile, President Trump is promising via Twitter that he is still going to eliminate state lines for insurance purchasers, that you'll be able to buy insurance across state lines. He's saying that that's going to happen. As far as I know, that's not in the bill as presented. But again, it will be amended. And quite frankly, if it isn't amended significantly, I don't think that the Freedom Caucus in the House is going to help the GOP pass this thing. Uh, And... Quite honestly, in my opinion, they shouldn't because it's it's it doesn't fix the problems. It just shuffles the problems around. So that's that's my take. That's my my hot take, except it's not really hot anymore because it's not brand new issue. Anyway, let me tell you about Mario Giannini State Farm Insurance. Mario Giannini State Farm Insurance. They're one of our sponsors here at KVXL. They offer all types of insurance, including auto, home, and life insurance. You can call them for a no-obligation insurance quote, 702-982-3300. And if you mention KVXL when you give them a call, they'll donate $10 to Experience Liberty Radio. So we'd like to thank Mario Giannini State Farm for their faithful support of our weekly programming. All right, we are going to play One Thing Remains from David Wesley. We'll be back in just a minute, and then we're going to talk about the other big news of the day, which is, of course, the WikiLeaks. Just, oh, stay tuned. We'll, we'll get to it. And that was David Wesley with One Thing Remains, or Your Love Never Fails. Great acapella artist. Love his work. You can find him on iTunes or YouTube. You're listening to KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio in Las Vegas. And if you're saying, I didn't hear any music, it's probably because you're listening to the podcast version of the show. And sadly, on the podcast version of the show, there is no music. So you want to listen live. And how you can listen live. You can listen live even if you're not in Las Vegas. Because I I could see the wheels turning in your brain. You're like, how can you see that? This is radio. Just trust me, I can see it. So, believe me. (laughs) should have used believe me. That would have been perfect. Uh, What happens is, if you're listening on the podcast, I I have to remove the music from the podcast edition. So, what you want to do is you can go to uh, kvxl101.com on any of your mobile devices. Just hit play. And you can listen to our radio station live via our online stream if you want to get the whole experience of The Frittle Show with music included. If you don't care if the music is included or if, you know, you just you can't listen when we're on live. We're on live at uh, 7 a.m. Pacific time every morning, which reruns. You can catch the rerun with the music at uh, 6 p.m. Pacific time as well. Yes, for those of you listening at 6 p.m., I I don't return to the studio after I have left the building to bring you another exact replica live of the morning show. It's a secret. It's a secret. But now you know the secret. So we'll just keep it between us. WikiLeaks is at it again. Some are calling the latest dump Snowden 2.0. And I... Look, um, this is just such a touchy subject for conservatives, in my opinion. 
I think that any conservative that takes a hardline stance on this deserves a medal because I just don't know how you can. Because on one hand, clearly, these leaks are a violation of trust. They're a violation of that individual's role and responsibility. They're a violation of security. And they potentially put the United States and our interests and allies at great risk. So leak bad. On the other hand, you've got these aspects of freedom and privacy. Now, granted, the Constitution doesn't guarantee us a right to privacy, but it does guarantee our freedom, and many see these two issues as one and the same. And when you have factual documentation that the government is and can literally spy on law-abiding Americans without a warrant, a.k.a. due process, which is guaranteed to U.S. citizens, then you've got some problems. And when these problems are exposed, belief is it leads to more freedom, a.k.a. leak equals good. So you have leak bad, but leak good. It's really a catch-22. Which, by the way, I want to go on a major rabbit trail here, because do you know where catch-22 originated? That, that expression? I just learned this yesterday, and I found it fascinating. So catch-22 comes from a 1961 novel titled Catch-22. I, I know. Who would have thought? And uh, Catch-22, in this book, which is set during World War II in Italy, uh, is, is, is a military bureaucratic rule invoked in several places and is more or less a catch-all rule, which is used to justify anything. And it's explained by the author in Chapter 5 of the book. Are you ready for this? This is, this is how Catch-22 entered our culture, by this paragraph in a 1961 novel. This is the paragraph from this book, and somehow it caught on. There was only one catch, and that was Catch-22, which specified that a concern for one's safety in the face of dangers that were real and immediate was the process of a rational mind. Or, one of the men trying to get out of flying missions was crazy and could be grounded. All he had to do was ask, and as soon as he did, he would no longer be crazy and would have to fly more missions. Or would be crazy to fly more missions and sane if he didn't, but if he was sane, then he had to fly them. If he flew them, he was crazy and didn't have to, but if he didn't want to, he was sane and he had to. Yosari and one of the other men trying to get out of flying missions was moved very deeply by the absolute simplicity of this clause of Catch-22 and let out a respectful whistle. That's some catch, that Catch-22, he observed. It ultimately, the phrase caught on after the 1970 movie based on the book Catch-22 came out. That's where, that's where the phrase came from. I just found that incredibly interesting that the whole thing... It's not based on anything real. It's from a 1961 novel, which was then made into a movie, and it's about these flyers that, well, anyway, if you were listening, you heard, and if you weren't, you can catch the rerun, or you can listen on the podcast where Catch-22 came from. So back to the issue at hand, this WikiLeaks issue and of leaking in general. It's like I, I feel that it's a catch-22 for conservatives because I don't see how you take a hard-line stance on it being either bad or it being good. I, I just don't see how you can because on one hand, we value privacy and rule of law and due process. Uh, and on the other hand, we value transparency and government accountability. But we also prioritize a strong military and we put huge stock in our national security. So we don't want everyone to know what we're able and to do and what we are doing. So do you see do you see the problem? I, I don't even know how to comment on the leaks like this because I'm really torn as to whether or not I think they're a bad thing or a good thing. I on one hand I think they're horrible and on the other hand I think they're good. 
Because on the one hand, I don't want the general public knowing how the CIA operates and what it's doing. And on the other hand, I absolutely do. See the quagmire I'm in right now? But regardless, here's the bit from this week's WikiLeaks that really got me. This is just this is from their actual leaks. This is about four paragraphs that I want to read to you here. The increasing sophistication of surveillance techniques has drawn comparison with George Orwell's 1984, but Weeping Angel, developed by the CIA's Embedded Devices branch, which infests smart TVs, transforming them into covert microphones, is surely its most emblematic realization. The attack against Samsung smart TVs was developed in cooperation with the United Kingdom's Kingdom's MI5. After infestation, Weeping Angel places the target TV in a fake-off mode so that the owner falsely believes the TV is off when it is on. In fake-off mode, the TV operates as a bug, recording conversations in the room and sending them over the internet to a covert CIA server. As of October 2014, the CIA was also looking at infecting the vehicle control systems used by modern cars and trucks. The purpose of such control is not specified, but it would permit the CIA to engage in nearly undetectable assassinations. The CIA's mobile devices branch developed numerous attacks to remotely hack and control popular smartphones. Infected phones can be instructed to send the CIA the the user's geolocation, audio, and text communications, as well as covertly activate the phone's camera and microphone. Despite iPhone's minority share, 14.5% of the global smartphone market in 2016, a specialized unit in the CIA's mobile development branch produces malware to infest control and extract data from iPhones and other Apple products running iOS, such as iPads. CIA's arsenal includes numerous local and remote zero days developed by the CIA or obtained by from NSA, the NSA or FBI or purchased from cyber arms contractors such as Baitshop. The disproportionate focus on iOS may be explained by the popularity of the iPhone among social, political, diplomatic, and business elites. So the CIA is spying on people through their smart TVs in false off mode and they're bugging cars so that they can kill people without anyone knowing that it was them. I'm sorry, this is literally a spy movie come to life. This is Jason Bourne for real. And again, it's it's that catch-22 moment because by golly, I think it's awesome if we can spy on terrorists and foreign nationals and potential terrorists through their TVs. And if there are bad guys who need to be taken out and we can do it with devices in their vehicles that mean that Americans don't have to risk their lives in eliminating them, then awesome. This is America. Oorah, make it happen. But then there's the flip side of, well, if they can listen to them. Can they listen to me? And yes, so would they? Are they? Does my car have that capability? And who can turn it on? And if my car has a capability, can someone else hack into it? I mean, who's who's accountable for this stuff? So it's, it's really just a vicious cycle. And like I say, I don't think I could do it. Spies and super spies and double agents. It's fun to watch in movies, but people actually live those lives. Really can't, really can't fathom. Really can't fathom that. It's it's beyond my level of comprehension. So let's take another break so my brain can can attempt to move on now that I have you all like what? 
Transportation's next big thing is happening right here in the Las Vegas desert. I'm going to tell you about that as soon as we get back. But first, this is Francesca Battistelli with He Knows My Name. All right, that was Francesca Battistelli with He Knows My Name. You're listening to 101.1 FM KVXL Experience Liberty Radio here in Las Vegas. The future of travel is happening right in our backyard. Technically, it's it's not our backyard. It's uh, probably government land since I think most of Nevada is owned by the government. But anyway, it's here. First photos and videos of the Hyperloop test track have been released. And the Hyperloop test track has been built, I think, I believe it's like 30 miles. Just 30 miles outside of Las Vegas. First images of a Hyperloop. This is from the telegraph.co.uk, by the way. The first image... Let's just start again. Ready? Just erase that. The first images of a Hyperloop test track built in the middle of the Nevada desert have been released. It was designed by California company Hyperloop One, who has unveiled ambitious plans to transport people or cargo between cities at near supersonic speed. Uh, The 500-meter-long Hyperloop test structure is located around 30 minutes from Las Vegas. Hyperloop One announced in November an agreement with Dubai to evaluate the construction of a 500-mile-per-hour train they hope will be capable of traveling traveling to the neighboring UAE city of Abu Dhabi in just 12 minutes. While technology is revolutionizing many facets of our lives, we have not seen a radical change in transportation since the Wright brothers introduced air travel over 100 years ago, explained Rob Lloyd, CEO of Hyperloop One. So they're making this thing. It looks like a big tube tunnel. You can look it up on YouTube. There's video of of this thing, and it's... It looks like something out of Star Wars or just the future or the past or whatever time period you choose. It looks like something that doesn't belong in our lifetime. It just looks crazy. And it is fast. Like they're planning to make this thing so that it can basically transport humans at the speed of sound. This is how your grandchildren are going to be getting to work if Jesus doesn't return in the next 100 years. I mean, imagine it. If you could commute... To a city 500 miles away in just an hour. That completely changes the definition of suburbs. I mean, it could revolutionize how and where people live and bring job possibilities to people in areas that never imagined this kind of thing. I mean, you could live, you could live in Richmond, Virginia and work in New York City. One hour commute. That's it. And you don't have to drive on the 95. You could live in Denver and work in Flagstaff or the other way around. You'd be there in an hour. You could work at a theme park in Orlando and have your house in Atlanta. You could live in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina and work in Baltimore. One hour commute. I mean, the possibilities are just incredible if they were able to make this thing actually work. And given enough time, I would venture to guess that they probably will. Do I want to... No, no, no. The rest of these things I think we're going to save for tomorrow. Because, you know, we have to have things to talk about tomorrow. 
So let me just say this. As we conclude on this International Women's Day, as women once again protest things which no one knows, um, if you want something funny, for those of you that know who Steven Crowder is and like his, like his videos, look up Steven Crowder asking Alexa how to make the perfect omelet. This video is comedy gold. It is Steven Crowder with a frying pan in the kitchen asking Alexa how to make the perfect omelet. I'm not going to give it away any more than that because if I tell you more than that, then you may not watch it because then you know what's going to happen. But just trust me, it's really funny. So if you have a couple minutes today in honor of International Women's Day, I, I would recommend Crowder's asking Alexa how to make the perfect omelet. Just just trust me. Go look it up if you haven't seen it yet. And that is all the time that we have left for today. Thank you for being with us. You've been listening to The Frittle Show. I'm Crystal Heath. This is KVXL Radio 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio here in Las Vegas. Our thanks to those of you listening over on the 405media.com as well. Great to have you here. If you're in Las Vegas tonight, we'd love to have you join us for our church service at 7 p.m. Liberty Baptist is located at 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard. If you can't be here in person, you can join us online. Just go to experienceliberty.com, click on our video live stream, or if you like us on Facebook at Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, we also stream via Facebook Live. So you can watch us there as well. All right, today we are going to go out to, let's see, a few different options. Let's go out to Blessings from Laura's Story. This is Laura's Story with Blessings. We'll see you back here tomorrow, same time, same place. Have a great day, everyone. <laughs>